Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Bearded Dragon Games. You can support us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me this week, uh, Phil Blackman. Nate is out this week. Phil, how's Nate, it going? Nate is out. I am I am Nate. Nate is Nate. <laughs> yeah, dude. We're gonna we're gonna crush it. Don't worry. Nate's being Nate's doing his stuff. He's being a responsible adult. So that leaves us to be kids. It's yep. gonna be great. Yeah. Uh so I guess this week what we're talking about is uh Grand Prix Richmond. Yes, yeah, so we got Grand Prix Richmond and then we also got uh SEG Baltimore as the next like major legacy event. Yeah, unfortunately up. Philly got cancelled, so yeah, um, yeah. That's, so a, that's a real bummer. Got canceled due to flooding. Um, but I don't think I'm not. I didn't actually uh, check, but if it wasn't the convention center that's near Reading Terminal Market, I think we it's a net positive. <laughs> well, it, it, they actually have it at the Valley Forge Convention Center, which is like a a, a casino slash hotel. It's oh, actually yeah, it's actually quite nice. You're a gambling man. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind. I don't mind the gambling, but uh, because I, ha- I I have family and friends in Philly, I I can uh, pretty much make it to anywhere in Philly that I want to be. So yeah, dude, get it works that out well. Yeah. There was a uh, good argument when we uh, start breaking down these lists from the top eight of the GP uh, that Trop is still more expensive than Tundra. Yeah. But Tundra is played in one of the tier one decks and. Uh, tropical Island is, you know, kind of middling if it, if showing up at all. Like it has one, it's represented here once, but in the top eight. Yeah. Um, but it's primarily due to uh, one of the particular things about Cuneo's list, who won the GP, was he's only playing one Tundra. A lot of Miracles list playing one Tundra at most two. Um, and that's on the, no pun intended, back to back, back of back to basics, which is uh, now being a thing that you have to be prepared for. It's the new Blood Moon. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you went to Grand Prix Richmond. I did. Tell me about, tell me about your experience. What was the room like? Uh, how'd you do? So I ended up playing, uh, a miracles list that was splashing red. Uh, and what I found was I ended up scrubbing pretty hard, but I also, uh, my pairings were, uh, I was playing two back to basics main as well. Um, and, uh, I went up against decks that back to basics just kind of doesn't do anything against. I went up against a lot of combo, a lot of uh, just uh, sort of like goldfish. You don't care what's on the other side of the table type decks. Um, either you have the force will or you don't type decks where back to basics does not shine at all. Yeah. Um, so it was not a good uh, thing for me in that regard. I think what there's the debate between the two uh, like controlling decks of the format. We have Miracle and Grixis Control is like the two um controlly decks of the format. And I think Miracles is really the control deck. I think Grixis control is really more like Blue Jund. Um but I even though Miracles did take down this event, I think if I were going into another tournament and I was looking to play a grindy style control deck, um I would probably want to lean into more of the Grixis control strategy because I think proactivity is going to be the strength because a lot of the format still feels like it's actually trying to figure itself out. I don't feel like the format has stabilized since the banning. I think mm-hmm. there's still a lot of room to explore. I think there's new cards that you can kind of get to explore with. There were a lot of Miracles decks uh, floating around the room and then towards the top tables that were playing accumulated knowledge. Oh, wow. 
which is like a new spin. Yeah, it's like people would either play predict or they'd play accumulated knowledge. And it just depends on your style. Predicting a vacuum is a stronger card because it clears off the chafe on the top of your deck. Sure. But um, accumulated knowledge doesn't require any setup. Yeah, uh, you just that, that card's brute force, especially when you're casting your fourth one. It's brute force. <laughs> it, it's it, it At first, it just cycles for two, so it's not very good. Yeah. But then every, everyone after that, it goes for two. And it's like if you have your second accumulated knowledge, um, even if you go accumulated knowledge, snap accumulated knowledge, like accumulated knowledge for two cards is still pretty good because you get to do it at instant speed. So holding up your counter spells uh, or holding up a cantrip, like a brainstorm into a fetch, uh, it, it, it gives you a little bit more play where you don't have to feel compelled to like cast your cantrip into, into a predict. Um, and it also means that like uh, predict is looking to pair itself with things like counterbalance to like find the top of those cards. And if you're not confident in counterbalance right now, which, you know, people are give and take on um, accumulated knowledge is an interesting new piece of the format that can be explored that Deathrite Shaman was, you know, making unplayable. Yeah, that card beforehand. was impossible to play with uh, with Deathrite Shaman. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, coming out of the tournament, like the top eight here shows that it's all very it's like a lot of fair mid range decks. Um, but I, I, I found that early on there were a lot of gold fishy decks. So like, even though you're looking at the top eight or the top 16 and, and like how the, I guess like the fair, the fair ish decks rose to the top, uh, I would not use that as a, uh, uh, a metric to calibrate what you should take into your next tournament and like to skimp on your hate for the gold fishy decks. Like don't come unprepared to run against the decks that are not that are just don't care about what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, be prepared. Be be prepared for those decks. Still, you you're gonna need to get out of the early rounds, which are those decks that you know. If you look at um like Matt Nass had a deep run playing Tin Fins, mm-hmm. and then he was on camera and he ran against Reed, and then his deck game three, like he turned one Reed on the uh, like game one, lost game two to you know a bunch of hate cards out of the board, and then game three, Reed didn't really have the uh, like enough stuff to stop him. He had a, a a discard spell, but his hand more or less didn't do anything after an entomb, and then his deck just didn't do anything for the rest of the game, right? So his deck just like shit out on him. Yep. So like that's gonna happen to those decks where you're you know you're making up in you're losing inconsistency, which you're gaining in power. Um, I think over the course of a long tournament, that inconsistency is why you very rarely see those kinds of decks break through into the top eight, and if you do, it's usually a one of. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the same thing with, with, um, you know, I haven't seen, uh, reanimate deck in the top eight for a very long time. Uh, and you know, that's, that's going back to even before, uh, what's it called? Uh, the, um, like death, right. Shaman was a big deal. And I think a lot of it has to do with the inconsistency of that deck just to begin with. Uh, it's, it's got those, I mean, especially now it's got those amazing bonkers like starts, but you know, it kind of stops and starts at, at, at turn two. Yeah, I also think that with Death right out of the format, it's not like those decks just got to free roll themselves. Like no. they do need to be rebuilt to consider how people are now trying to combat those decks, uh, especially post board these days without Deathrite Shaman. Yeah. Um, well, the I mean, answers are so much more direct too now. Uh, Deathrite Shaman allowed you to kind of skimp on those sideboard options. Now you don't get to skimp on those sideboard options. And so after board, you know, you're you're even more uh, laser guided towards towards those decks. Yeah, the thing that I noticed too is that certain cards that were good against Deathrite Shaman are kind of lackluster now without it. Yeah. Um, so things like uh, what's the Escalate card that Reanimator plays? Uh, that is Collective Brutality. 
Yeah, so collective brutality when like the minus two minus two is not going to be as relevant to protect your strategy. Yeah, um, it's not. There just isn't the you know on creature hate card. So it's like you don't like the minus two minus two isn't as good as as the duress, and the duress is just would be better if it was a duress, you know. Yeah, and you can argue so, that that card's fine against a delver, but chances are it's going to be dazed. You know, well chances uh, are it's like too slow. Yeah. yeah, I mean if you look at any of these miracles lists or you like. The one card that's missing from all of their sideboards for being, you know, the very heavy base blue-white deck is there's no Rest in Peace anywhere. Mm-mm. And that's primar- That's not just because they're playing Snapcaster Mage. It's because Rest in Peace is too slow. Yeah. Like, two mana, if, if you're looking to, you know, stop a two mana sorcery speed spell, either it's going to get stripped out of your hand from a discard spell or you're just going to be dead. So people are leaning way heavier on surgical extraction. So I think it's like you have to be prepared to be fighting against surgical extraction and then against white decks containment priest yeah i think uh, one of the I things about be running against uh rest in peace anytime soon because containment priest has more crossover yeah and that's one of the problems with this deck being so fast uh you know the reanimator decks and whatnot being so fast is that because rest in peace is a bad is, is like kind of a bad answer to them people are playing more surgicals and also like you don't have to like do weird things with your miracles deck like be like well i might as well make the um you know rest in peace like kind of a a win condition, so I'll throw in a Helm of Obedience or something like that, and then you draw Helm, and you're like, oh, why'd I do that? So, like, the deck, you know, the deck doesn't play silly stuff like that anymore. It's just playing, like, pure value cards that are that are good in almost every circumstance. Yeah, I mean, the I think the most interesting sideboard plans for the Reanimator decks, you know, it's like you should be stealing game one because, you know, you're playing a more powerful deck and they're just unprepared. I mean, I like the the decks that would, you know, board into the man plan, whether it's Young Peasy or Mentor or something like along those lines where, yeah. you know, you just hit on a totally different axis because they can't afford to keep in the removal against you, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, if they do, they're only keeping in, you know, whatever they can afford, which is like maybe like an engineered explosives or against the Miracles deck, maybe they keep in one Terminus or something like that. Um, but like they're not going to be prepared if you can fight on a different axis, which is very similar to like, you know, Control decks will go on a man plan post board, and I think combo decks could do the same. Yeah, I mean that's like if you look at like a car, like in particular uh, Cuneo's deck, uh, he's running Baneslayer Angels, and like you can go Containment Priest if you need to, like as as a beatdown card, if you know if you think that that's a that's a way to go up against your opponent, you know. Yeah, that's awkward. I mean, like I I, I agree with you though. Like if you don't have the slots and you just need to get it done, I mean one thing too is that like it's also helpful for clock just to have a couple of beaters somewhere in your deck like i mean he's got the click on the board i mean you look at cuneo's deck and his deck is super interesting one he's on 10 basics so he's really committed to the basic plan Mm -hmm. um he's also on two councils judgment main which is uh i think a stray from the norm usually you'll see it as a one of or a split but i think uh when you move into just blue white and not blue white red yeah you can't uh, you can't pyroblast your opponent's true names so you have to have some way to get rid of them that's not just terminus right yeah, well, when when you're playing only two colors, engineered explosives gets way worse. Yeah, uh, and so you kind of are priced into playing the second council's judgment because you need ways to deal with like opposing Jace, opposing Jace the Mind Sculptors, um, opposing things that you know whether it's a Planeswalker or like you said a TNN, uh, or I mean pretty much like Chalice, like any any difficult thing that's not a creature. Uh, your deck is not going to be well set up to deal with, and you you want at least two out somewhere in your 60 as a control deck yeah. to deal with that stuff. And usually you'll see if they're splashing red for Power Blast on the board and other things that they'll they'll hedge and make one in EE because EE can also play as a sweeper. 
Uh, but when you can't EE for three, it just cuts off a lot of the things that you care about in the format. Yep. So they'll just move over to two councils judgment. But if you look at his board, I think this is where his most interesting is even us at the top of the cast, but he's gotten a lot of looks for the back to basics being like the big, the major player that like put his deck over the top. I think he got a bunch of free wins off back to basics. Oh yeah. Um, but I think the thing that's peculiar about Cuneo's list and he went way deeper on than most people, uh, is he's a four X snapcaster mage deck. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really where he gets the, the most of the strength of his deck is coming from is this, the flexibility of his snapcasters. Even if you look at his board, his board is a swath of one ofs. And yeah. I think he's flexing. Like, I get to play one pierce, one snare. Uh, he's got the flusters, but he's also got one counterspell on the board. He's got no counterspells in the main. Um, like, hard counterspells. Like, yeah, he's got pierce. The, uh, the card counterspell, yeah. Yeah, but the actual card counterspell, he's only got one of in the board. Uh, I think when you have, like, he was really leaning on the flexibility of his snapcasters. And giving him options that way. And if you look at all of the other Miracles lists, he might be the only one that's playing for Snapcaster. And I think that that's a nod to, one, he's not playing any mentors. So he's really looking to be like, I am always going to be the control deck regardless of what's across oh, the other yeah. side of the table. Um, but I think that means that by doing so, he gets to play this more flexible Snapcaster Mage game. Uh and if you look, like his deck is pretty low on three drops. He's got four snapcasters, two councils judgment, and two back to basics. And then the rest of his deck is like those are his three drops. So yeah. he's definitely like not looking to win quickly. So don't take this deck to a tournament if you're not comfortable playing at an appropriate speed. Uh, well, yeah, because I think he's he's only closing the game with a Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah, I think I what guess. you said is that is that he. I mean, there are two other win conditions in here that aren't Jace the Mind Sculptor, and those are back to basics. Your opponent oftentimes will scoop because they're like, I can't play Magic against you anymore. You know, through counterbalance or through like seeing seeing their next uh, play get Force of Willed, and they're just like, Well, I'm tapped out. I have seven lands in my deck, and three of them are out. I don't think I'll ever be able to do anything again. Though a yeah. lot of people, after the back-to-basics get slammed and stays on the board, they're moving on to game two uh, based on the fact that they have no way to get rid of it. So game three, uh, sorry, game two and three, maybe they have a pyroblast. Maybe they have some way to get rid of the back-to-basics. And that's when you can bring in, you know, Gideon allies into car, Baneslayer Angel, stuff like that. Um, uh, you know, in, in many cases, I think that you, you might even end up citing out the back-to-basics uh, against certain decks that think that you're keeping it in just because you, you're going to watch them bring in cards that would be otherwise worthless against you, you know? I think that you get to play the mind game of boarding out your back-to-basics if you know that the other player will have the uh, leisure to play around it. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people... I mean, this is up for... In, in, this is in the air. Don't think that this is just how people are actually boarding. Like, be prepared for people to board individually. But I know uh, of some Miracles players who will board out their back-to-basics in, like, the Grixis Mirror or Grixis matchup because they know that their opponents will then just play around back-to-basics early. Yeah. And also having Pyroblast means that it's going to be uh, much less reliable than it would otherwise be by bringing in bigger haymakers. Uh, so, you know, you might be able to get away with not playing around back to basics against certain players that if you think they're boarding it out, it's not unreasonable to be boarding it out in matchups where it might have won them game one, but then they board it out. Yeah. You know, I wonder uh, during our, uh, I'm with the band, uh, episode, the one, the one where death right shaman got banned, uh, when we picked winners and losers, if we chose back to basics as an obvious winner, because it, uh, you know, like, sure, it definitely is. Right. 
I don't remember. I feel like I, I remember thinking that Back to Basics was on the rise during the Death Rite era because people had to play just additional off-color basics or basics, uh, uh, non-basics to play Death Rite Shaman's activations. Or maybe so, we expected people to tend away from uh, Dual Lands and and, and uh, like automatically worry about back to basics because it was it was starting to see more play. I don't yeah, know. I'm not really yeah, quite not sure. Positive. I think it's I think its real power isn't just in like you're trying to get people on their mana bases and there's no longer just a, a free bird of paradise that everybody gets to play. Mm-hmm. I think it's more so that it really feels like in the decks that play it, it's a one sided blood moon. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's like the fact that you get to, you know, it turns every other person's non-basics into Lotus Petals, but it means you get to play Magic and they don't, and it's really another Lights Out Haymaker. Yeah. I don't think Miracles would be a reasonable deck to take to a tournament if it didn't have those types of cards. I think, like, I mean, we talk about this almost every cast, I feel like, where we're like, yeah, you ha- if your deck is, if you're going to be playing a deck in Legacy, you have to have some number of free wins in your 75. Yeah, and for miracles, that's I mean, again, certain matchups may be counterbalanced, but that's unreliable. But really, like back to basics is lights out. Yeah, um, let's look at the rest of this top eight just to just to get an idea of what what the meta is looking like right now. Um, so Kunia won with miracles. Then we have uh, a lands deck. Uh, we've got Death Shadow, another miracles deck. Uh, Rug Delver, Eldrazi Aggro, which I I, I would have to guess is is a Chalice just deck. Eldrazi. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, Grixis Control and Stoneblade. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the, the real outlier here is Lisette's list. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. Like, I mean, if you want to take a look at Lisette's list, he kind of just took his old Legend Miracles, took out the Miracles cards and put in Stoneforge Mystics and True Names. Yeah, that definitely looks like what he did. <laughs> I mean, his his deck, it, like, anytime I look at a Lisette deck, I'm like, he's looking at certain things and piloting it certain ways that I'll never... Like I, I look at his deck and I just can never figure out where the thought processes start, because I see three Flusterstorm in the main, mm. three Force of Will, three Ponder, and I'm like, where did we, where did we get these numbers? Yeah. On top of two Spell Snare, and then he's got two Vencers split with his two Jaces on 22 lands, so he's going to be way more land heavy. But then he's offsetting that by playing more expensive spells, but then offsetting that by like cutting his free spells like force. It's tough for so for me, my you know, the, the, I've played the Legends Miracles deck before um, and I, I wasn't great at it. I did OK, but um, I, I think the big thing with the Legends version of this deck is being able to like beat Miracles decks when they have you in in lock. Right. So to me, this deck doesn't doesn't need to do that anymore. You know, like the the big thing that this deck was able to do was put a Cavern Souls down on Wizard. Uh, you venture your opponent's uh, uh, counterbalance at the end of turn, right? And then you snap in a, uh, a click during the next turn, and you get the the counterbalance out of his hand, and now you're out of being locked out of the game. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was like a good deck against specifically the mirror when you had countertop. Because Cavern on Venser was good against that deck because it beat Counterbalance, but then it was bad against everything else yeah. except like oh, yeah. Sneak Attack. But like looking at these numbers, I'm going, man, like 
I, I see, I like, I, I can understand he like wants to play this game where he has Cavern of Souls plus these wizards as a trump card, and like, I get that the the, the appeal to that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but like, the numbers are just so weird to me, as particularly with the mana base. He's playing two additional lands, uh, because he wants to play, you know, yeah, four drops. more adventures yeah. and more four drops and more expensive spells. But then if you look at the number of actual blue sources he has, he's playing on those 22 lands, two cavern, two Caracas, two planes. And then in the board, he's playing back to basics on his seven basics, but with only three ponder and a lot of lands that don't produce blue, it's going to be harder to just, yeah. I don't know. It, 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 it's like, he top aided, and so it, uh, you know, it's somewhere he has to like this deck has to be functioning on an axis that I'm I'm not quite analyzing properly, because, like I I see, if he's got twenty two lands and it's one two, three four five six, so he's got seven blue sources nine if you can if you count the uh, caverns, caverns but like yeah caverns are going to be on wizard which is his snapcasters but not his stone forges or his true name nemesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It feels like, like I look at the deck and I, I, I analyze and I'm like, it just feels so imbalanced. But like, I would, I feel like I would need to see these games play out because in my mind, I'm like, I just, like, I would never sleeve this up. This looks like a complete pile. To me. I mean, this is, this is the sort of thing I would take to, uh, an F and M and, and, and get blown out. I, I'm really, uh, intrigued by actually playing, uh, Nahiri the Lithomancer in your board instead of something like, I don't know. I just think Ally of Zendikar is just fine uh, when you're in a position that this card would be as good. Like making an artifact blade doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Uh, and you, you, you're only running your two pieces of equipment. If you have trouble getting, uh, you know, your plus twoing to like get a guy to carry some equipment. I, I, I don't think that's necessary. And yeah. uh, putting equipment card from your hand or graveyard into the battlefield. Sure. I mean, I don't know, man. I I just I think this is a little too cute, the Nahiri Lithomancer. Like yeah. it's it's fine, but I I think that uh, Gideon Ally of Zendikar is just going to do way more for you. I'm I'm I like this. I look at this deck and it just gives me so many questions, and I just don't. You know, I mean, how often are you just going to open a hand that has like Cavern Plains Caracas and have to throw it back? You yeah. know, like. I mean, not often enough, obviously. You know, the guy did make top eight, so... That's what, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. where it's like, it's like the result versus the look of the list is just so baffling, but, like, not in a way that, like, I'm intrigued to, like, explore it. I just see, like, you're the fair deck that's trying to get up to, you know, Venser plus Caracas, but you cut a Force of Will? Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I think one of the things about this deck is the fact that it, it, it is sort of tangential to the meta, so there's a lot of people who are going to be playing around, uh, you know, they know Joe Lissette, right? You sit down across across from Joe Lissette, you know, in the first, like, you know, five, five six rounds of the tournament, and he he puts a Tundra down, and you're like, okay, I've got to play around Terminus. And then, uh, you know, he throws down, like, a Trudin Nemesis, and you're like, oh, no, you know, I've been playing against this guy wrong the entire time. Yeah, I just, like, it's it's weird to me, because, like, you're, you're playing a lot of you know, double blue, uh, but you only have 16 blue sources. Like, I don't know, 16 blue sources and three ponder. And then you, you don't want to be opening on your cavern, your Caracas or your planes because you're trying to hold up flusters and snares if you're on the draw. Yeah. And then you have like two councils judgment and double, I don't know, like the deck feels super. I don't know. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would, I would need to like actually like discuss it specifically with him because he's got, 
just a bunch of weird choices that I'm like, I don't understand how this deck didn't just lose to itself for inconsistency. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it looks like, uh, there was one rug Delver list. We should see if that's a, if that's a standard list or something different. Uh, yeah, your, your, your boy is back. Yeah. Um, looks like, yeah, it's a Tarmogoyf list, T- two Tarmogoyfs, two Trini Nemesis. There's nothing crazy here. The, the classic 18 lands, 12 creatures. Um, you got you got a little spice. He switched up his spell suite a little bit from you know instead of four stifle, he picked a divert. Yeah, I don't hate that. That's fine. I think divert does does as much in this uh, in the current meta as stifle does. You just don't want to run four divert, obviously. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Sulfur elemental, I think, is a good call because there's a lot of uh a lot of uh well one it just kills men- like the mentor plan is is off now. Uh. But uh. Also. Uh. Uh, death and taxes. So you've and you know I appreciate the uh, the the artifact hate here. You've got a grudge, a revelry, and a null rod, uh, keeping it you know keeping everything a little bit different there. Um, yeah, but there's nothing crazy about this deck. Nothing nothing I'm seeing that I'm like oh yeah this is the way this is the new way of the deck. It's just like this is fine. One spell snare, but he's running like a, a main deck fluster storm. Um, yeah, nothing you know nothing to see here in particular. Yeah, I um, want to give you a little bit more uh, flex value. Uh, it's it's interesting. I, I mean, I look at his deck and I'm like, oh man, the worst card in your deck is Tarmogoyf. But yeah, sometimes Tarmogoyf's it. great. You know, like it's just not always great. It's better yeah. now that you don't have to worry about Deathrite Shaman. Um, but also, like no one's like no one's playing. Rest in peace. You know, like I don't think it's the worst choice in the world. I oh, still. I, I think it's that uh, like with Grixis control, it's just like, well, you know, if they just know that they should line up their pushes against your Goyfs, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, in a world where where uh, swords and push are are being played, I I don't like Tarmogoyf as much. I just I wonder if he played, uh, if he had tested and found that two Goyf was better than two of mandrels. Uh, mandrels. Yeah, I don't know. I I prefer the mandrels personally, um, but you know they're not always as fast. So there's that, you know, yes, and, uh, and and there's plenty of times where your opponent like might have a Trini Nemesis out, but he's got some other dude on the board. So you're both just sitting there staring at each other. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it is very good against a, a naked Trini Nemesis. But if he has one other creature out, it's like, yeah, I just, you know, I did two damage to you. And, you know, you got to keep your true name. Um, so the other, yeah, the other Miracles uh, list uh you know one judgment and then uh yeah it it, it looks relatively similar to um to Cuneo's deck it's just that they're only running one council's judgment well he's got two mentor which is a, a drastic difference oh, yeah. from the other one there we go. he's also on 19 land to play an additional prior he's got three preordain mm-hmm. uh i mean it, it really seems to me that like the flexibility in your miracles lists don't really come from like the haymaker cards, like you're pretty much always on three Jace the Mind Sculptor. Like if you're doing anything less, you're probably like cutting the wrong card. Uh, mm-hmm. Similar with back to basics, most people who are going to be playing at main, you're usually playing two. I do know some people who played a one-one split, uh, but you're playing at least two across your seventy-five. Same thing with counterbalance. Like some people don't like it where they won't play it at all, but if you do see it, the likelihood is that they have two. Um, but then people will bounce around between preordain and portent. They'll bounce around on whether or not they play all four terminus or if they share it with a verdict. Uh, if you see red, the likelihood is they have one counselor's judgment and one EE. Um, so you have like a little bit of uh, flexibility to play with. The majority of decks are playing three snapcaster um, because they'll be playing two mentor. 
sometimes they'll cut that and play an entreat. I will say that when you play game ones, which are pretty much just haymaker fests in a miracle mirror, that the player who has mentors in game one will more often win than not for the specific reason that you're probably going to get to the point where you're going to be decking each other. Yeah. Unless, unless somebody gets like a, a, a counterbalance and runs away with it. Right. Yeah. Um, back to basics are going to be, you know, aren't going to be doing much. You're going to be using your counter spells to be fighting over Jace, the mind sculptors, your, uh, removal is going to be priced into just tagging their snapcasters at some point. And it's going to come down to decking. And if you're playing in treat, uh, they're going to just be able to clean up the entreat with their sweepers that they haven't been able to use all game. While with the mentors, if they sweep up the mentor, it actually means that it's like going to be a draw step later in the game. Yeah, yeah. And uh, game ones will a lot of the time come down to that. Yeah. Let me tell you something, brother. If you're digging this podcast, you got to go over to patreon.com slash eternal dirtles and become a patron right now. Oh, yeah. Um, well, so when you were there, what, what did the meta look like to you? Was there a lot of Grixis going around? Like, you know, do you get a chance to w- wander around the tables and whatnot? My, my meta was a lot of like just goldfish yeah. decks that didn't give a shit. I mean, I kid you not. I sat down for my second, uh, my second, uh, match of the day and the dude wins the die roll. We have no idea what each other is on. He seems like a, a, a serious dude. Sit down, shakes my hand, wins the die roll, goes mountain, and in the blind goes bolt you. Whoa! <laughs> and I literally, I, 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 like we were out of like the areas where there were like you know we were out of the buy rounds. Dude in the blind goes mountain, bolt you. And I set my hand down. I looked around like the table to like make sure I was in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> He's like during your main phase. No, Bolt. no. He straight up was like, <laughs> my not, turn. During his play oh, this mountain. Yeah, during his own main phase, I'm saying, you know, like. <laughs> looked me straight in the face and said, Bolt you. I like that. That's, that's, like, uh, that, that speaks to his confidence in, in, his, uh, in his game. I mean, obviously, I <laughs> lost easily, right? Like, <laughs> like it wasn't close. Like, um, Maybe that's all he had, man. That was like, you know, he's like, I've got seven good cards in my hand. But the only card I can play in my uh, in the beginning of the game is Bolt. And oh, I'm dude, gonna, my favorite thing about it, it was there was a certain point where I was down to I was just straight up down to three life, and I would then I like untapped and I, I my hand was dead right there was no way I was going to be able to fight you know I was not going to be able to not lose three life for the rest of the game before I killed him. Yeah. So we but the thing is is he played draw go with me for like seven draw steps. Ooh. We I was just like draw this land play it and he would like draw his card and pass the turn and i was like man he's like waiting for a window to sneak through one of these burn spells in his hand even though he's definitely got more spells than i have any ways to prevent it and i was that like i was at three life against him longer than i've ever been against any other burn deck because he just refused to kill me until we both had seven cards in hand wow it was really peculiar he was like this (laughs) insanely patient burn player who was also just like turn one bolt you in the blind yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I mean, there it, there are reasons to bolt people during your own main phase. Uh, if you don't have any other plays, you know, if you're worried about days, you know, uh, there there are there are reasons like making sure that you're you get to resolve that three damage is oh, is yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, one of those things. It's not I, the I, optimal play, sure. 
I understand the logic behind it because, like, what else does the burn deck do? Yeah. But I knew when I sat down out of the buys, like, with no more people had, like, buys were done. Sat down, turn one, in the blind, bolt your face, and I knew that at that moment, my tournament was going to be done. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know, like, I, I, like, the second a guy bolts me in the blind, I'm like, I'm not winning this tournament. So, do you think that uh, you're going to you're gonna play Baltimore with the same deck? Uh, if I, uh, I, I am currently waiting to see if I have a ride to Baltimore, but I am actively trying to get there to go and to play. Mm-hmm. I would not be taking this deck. Uh, I would not, or rather, I would not take Miracles. Baltimore's a team event, or it's just no, a, Baltimore is just legacy. Just legacy. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. I don't know, man. I think that I would try. I would try Death Shadow myself i think i would try death shadow and play like two berserk and like just just throw a trop in the deck and see what happens dude i mean right now it seems like uh noah's just straight blue blacklist is the the deck that is if you're playing death shadow that seems to be the one that's putting up the results yeah no i i mean i can't hate on this deck at all like everything that this deck wants to do is is pretty solid i think the only reason why i would uh try something uh you know, some way to have like reach with your with your uh, Death Shadow is because I'd be so afraid of going up against a Grixis Control deck or or you know like like uh, John's uh, Grixis Delver deck that has uh, the Baleful Strix in it, and I just hate knowing that like Baleful Strix just gets me out of the game, especially in, in a situation where um, you know I could get people out of out of nowhere with a with a Berserk. Yeah, I mean against those decks, like you know, reanimating a Street Wraith is really your your strongest outs. Yeah. Because they just, you know, that, that card's impossible to deal with for them. Yeah, this is true. Um, I mean, looking at all of these lists, you, I mean, the, the, there's one particular standout in the format that I'm just like, man, he would be so good against everything that seems to be doing relatively well. And he just has no home, and it's Leovold. I think Leovold is just like, he is like a jackknife in this format right now, as it currently sits, and he just doesn't have a home. Yeah, there's nowhere, to, there's nowhere for him to be, honestly. There's no mana dork that, that works well. To put him into play on turn two, you know, not in those colors. Yeah, no, I mean, I like, I think that he's just one of those outliers where it's like, give, give, he, he gets one thing where then you have a deck that you know makes it reasonable to be in those colors as opposed to Grixis. And like the second that that card comes out, like I don't know, I think Ravnica might give us something in Golgari that like puts him over, oh, maybe man. even in Demir, um, to like push it closer where you don't necessarily need. And the thing is that K command is so good that it's gonna you you're gonna need something really good. Yeah. Um, maybe they just maybe we uh skew away from uh black or sorry black skew away from uh red and go towards white for our fourth color in uh in a pile deck. Well, I think like it, it, it's tough to be four colors anymore. Like Grixis just cut the green because that was the splash. Yeah. And they just, well, I'm, you know I'm saying that this would allow you to play something like uh. Uh, what's called Noble Hierarch is your mana dork. Oh yeah, if you wanted to play a Bant style deck and then splash the the black instead. Yeah. Yeah, I think like if you do that, you're you're moving towards that like that former four uh, X TNN mana dork deck. Yeah, the Duke deck. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like I think like the backbone of all of those. If you're not playing, it's like you're pretty much on basic planes or baleful Strix if you're playing fair, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree. Um, for the most part, I mean, you have, you have some outliers in that, like you have your Delver decks that are lower to the ground. Like in this, in this topic, you had two, uh, 
Days Delverdarks, right? You had yeah. your your Canadian Thresh, and then you had Death Shadow, which you know they they're trying to f- they have different tools, but they're fighting along the same axis, right? Like get you dead as fast as possible. And it's so hard to say that Death Shadow is like a fair card specifically. It is it is fair in in what it's doing. I mean, it, I think what you mean when you're saying fair though is is uh is like control style decks. If you're playing I, I, control, I you're playing fair, with I mean, planes I, or baleful tricks. I mean, actively interacting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever I'm, whenever I think of unfair decks, I think of a deck that like could give a shit if there's an, a person sitting across the table. Of course, yeah, yeah, you no, I, I mean I agree, but I think what, what what you were saying there when you were talking about fair decks, you you truly meant if you're a control deck, you have planes or baleful tricks. Yeah, you're looking for the game to go beyond turn two. Yeah. Um, but baleful tricks is just like that's the 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 bridge that you know gets you from the early game to the mid game um and then for miracles you just have better ways to control the table but for the most part like you're you're like your your control decks are base blue black or you're just playing back to basics in the current environment the thing is is that i'm still not convinced that this current legacy as we have it is settled i think there's still a lot of room to try out different things i mean if you look at this top eight alone, like, yes, you're seeing kind of similar shells. Like, yes, you still have Delver Days, uh, and then you have a couple of Miracles decks. Uh, but that's just, like, I think Miracles gets a lot of its... Uh, like, it puts up a lot of the top players because, one, a lot of top players play the deck because they get to, you know, being in control is a good feeling for a good player. Mm-hmm. But, two, the deck is built to be consistent, right? Like... Oh yeah, it's not, I mean it's, it's a lot of air in that deck. That's it's like what at least at least uh, twelve cantrips, if not. Well, you're more. usually looking at like twelve between eleven and thirteen one drop cantrips plus some number of predict or AKs. Yeah. So it's like okay, you like yes, there was a lot of air, but that means that you're going to be very consistent in finding the tools that you want, especially since you're not going to be susceptible to mana denial. Of course. So the fact that Miracles, like, I think the, the strongest reason to be playing Miracles is its consistency. Um, but what it loses in, what it gives up to be consistent is proactivity. Yeah. Where that's where Gersh's control, which is going to be more susceptible to that, but then it gets things like him to be proactive. And in the current environment, I like the proactivity more just because, you know, you're going to see some number of top decks. Like you're going to, you know, it's not unreasonable that you're going to run into each one of these decks at least once going through a tournament. But you're not going to be running into, like back when Deathrite was around, you had, the chances of you playing Deathrite every round was a coin flip. Yeah. Where now, who knows what you're going to run up against, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, a super wide open format like that, I think a deck that is just going to be very consistent across its game plan and then have tools to and be able to find them like miracles will succeed. No, I agree. Yeah. But I think the format is super, is still wide open. Uh, if people are still thinking about certain decks that they want to try and build with, like recognize that there are certain shells. Like if you're playing against your blue black fair decks, you're going to be against the Strix deck. If you see uh, miracles, like, they're playing the same haymakers. They're the the things that they use it to glue together are different. And you just have your Delver Days decks that you know more or less have the same tools. Uh, the difference is, are they playing Bolt or not? You know. Yeah. But for the most part, it's like, I mean, Stoneblade is on the rise. I personally still think Stoneblade is garbage. Uh, yeah. But it's it's getting a lot of its wins just on the back of TNN because there's still no good way to deal with that card that isn't an inconvenience in a like really hindering way. A Golgari charm, Marsh Casualties kind of situation. 
yeah, you have to play like Council's Judgment or an EE to get rid of it, or you have to actually be playing sweepers for decks that aren't in the market for those types of cards. The yeah. things that get rid of it are very few and far between. Um, there isn't really a good deck to play Zealous Persecution in, so you're you know, usually playing Marsh Casualties, which in itself is just like not a good card. Um, you have to play like these very subpar cards to deal with this one card that like isn't even a four of a lot of the time, but will just kill you if you can't answer it. So you have to be prepared for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I like, I think Stoneblade gets a lot of its free wins based on that, as opposed to actually doing anything else that's kind of relevant. Like, I'm actually surprised at the number of people playing Stoneforge decks because I think it's just not. I mean, it's 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 astounding that it's it's six percent of the meta right now. I'm I'm actually pretty surprised about that. I expected it to be much lower. That's more right. than that's, that's more than the five percent that Death Shadow has. But then you see like uh, Grixis Control sitting at seven percent, and yeah. like Grixis Control, even though it only put one in the top eight of this GP, it had like a bunch in the top thirty-two. Oh yeah, no doubt. And if you, like taking your Stoneforge Mystics into a, a, a field where like a lot of the top tables are going to be uh sleeping up k command like it's gotta k feel command bad just makes your deck look embarrassing. <laughs> yeah you know like by itself it just makes your deck look so bad yeah especially because the the main reason to not play k command is because people are going to daze it and Stoneblade doesn't do that so i mean it's some just like that much daze. better yeah like some Stoneblade, like owen's deck was playing days um i think he went or where he was playing four days for pierce uh, but like a lot of the times, like you got to take the, when, when, when like the, the very top guys are, you know, pulling out like 10 and five records, 11 and four records with their decks. And then like, like you got to think like those 10 and five records and 11 and four records, those are really eight and four or nine and five or uh, seven and five because yeah. they have three buys coming into the day. So they're getting three less wins than their record actually reflects. And if you play that deck for three additional rounds, like it's not guaranteed that they would have three owed those those games, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so like you gotta take the top guys' records when they're playing a deck like that with a grain of salt. But like I mean, a four pierce four days deck, like, yeah, sometimes it's gonna get there, but then sometimes it's gonna be underpowered when a deck can just casually play around them. Yeah. Um, and like it's really tough to be playing days in your three drop deck, you know? Like that's really, really tough. Yeah, because you wanna be spending that mana uh, that you would have been able to spend because you dazed the turn that turn that you needed to get something off, you know, like you you wanted to have your three drop come down on turn three actually. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like at that point in the game, like if if you're you're tapping up your three drop with a daze to try and protect it, like if we've made it to that point in the game, like will they just be able to casually play around daze anyway? You know, I don't know. It, it, it seems like it, it, like the variance of days goes up yeah. way more when you're playing tap out three drops. You know, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, looking at the meta here, uh, I'm really surprised that show and tell is seeing like a giant increase. You think that's because people are figuring out that like uh, that, that threshold isn't isn't like the way to be. And, and thresholds coming up in the meta, too. Like all these decks are trending up actually right now. Yeah, I mean, right now, you if you think like I think. Show and tell has, if I were to guess, like if I'm playing Grixis Control, like I do not want to be going up against Show and Tell. Yeah. Um, and so in my mind, like if you have DNT, which is sitting at eight percent, like DNT to keep Show and Tell in check, but then Grixis Control keeping Death and Taxes in check, and then Death and Taxes keeping Show and Tell in check. So you have like a pretty balanced. If you look at like that type of thing, and then Miracles is kind of sitting underneath that. Storm is a little bit underneath that. Yeah. 
And then you have like your other Delver decks that, you know, are just going to be Delver decks and they're always going to be there at some like reasonably high percentage of the field. Like if you look at Death Shadow and Canadian Threshold, like together they're 9% of the field. And even though they do have some differences, the actual shell of the deck of like Wasteland Days Delver you. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, minus the fact that like one's levering its leveraging its life total and is like actively very bad against burn, where like threshold's not great against burn, but it it, it has it has its outs. Um you know, uh that that's the only matchup that I feel like is is a real disparity, and it goes from bad to worse with Death Shadow. Um, whereas like Otherwise, I think like for the most part, uh, their their matchups are pretty similar uh, against most of the field. Yeah, I would agree because I think they have for the most part a lot of the same tools. I mean, Death Shadow is just very heavily black in terms of its sideboard card choices because yeah. black has just really good sideboard cards. Um, but hey, sometimes you're just gonna run up against a deck where like Ancient Grudge just hoses them really hard, you know? Yeah. Um. But like right now, the format seems pretty balanced going into Baltimore. I think there's still definitely a lot of room to explore. Like there, I mean, looking at all of the lists, like no two Grixis lists agreed on all the numbers. No two Miracles lists really agreed on like all the numbers. Good um, card choices vary. No Death and Taxes list is stock. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have you obviously have stock shell pieces within all these decks, but like all of the flex slots vary from person to person. Um, there's a, like a lot of tuning that can be done, and like I think there's a lot of new, more strategies that can be explored. I know for Baltimore, I'll continue trying to find a spot for Leovold. Uh, hopefully, I can find one in time because I think he's just like an absolute hammer in this format, and I think it would be insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, right now, I mean, just looking at the breakdown percentage between aggro, aggro control, and combo, it seems like the format's fairly healthy coming out of the ban. So like, it it looks to me like the ban was like banning both death right and probes seem to have also like we knew that they felt correct but they also seem to be playing out as correct as well you yeah know? like yeah. The, I mean, the results have shown that that was a healthy ban to do we're seeing we're seeing diversity which is what we wanted to see you know and i i appreciate a format that people haven't figured out yet uh and i want that to go on for as long as it can yeah i agree and i think that the like i would not be surprised to see you know, just like, especially when new Ravnica comes out, we just yeah. like one or two new tools might just upend the whole format in terms yeah. of like how things really shake out, you know, well, which I think is exciting because before it was just like, well, nothing's going to be as good as, you know, probe and death right into cabal therapy or whatever. What, uh, what, what do we got? Like it's, uh, Golgari, is it, uh, Demir, uh, Selesnia and Boros. Boros. Uh, yeah. that, so that's, that's the, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Guilds of Ravnica uh, guilds. I'm I'm interested to see. Yeah, I mean, personally speaking, you know, there's got to be something in there for for Rug from Is It that will help us, right? Like that's that's my help, hope. Well, um, I think like the the thing too is that like the mechanics themselves are also very much within the realm of like they seem like they're they're mechanics that could play well at a power level that Legacy would need. Yeah. So like surveil is surveil insane. seems seems very very useful and it's a it's a uh, strategy that already works you know uh, with with cards like Gurmag Angler, search for Skanta, yeah yeah um, the same thing with Jumpstart right like flashback is already proven to be very good 
Uh, and if jumpstart is just a new way to do that, but if you think like usually like flashback cards, like the flashback cards are only as good as either their effect is insane, read past in flames, or their effect is free, see cabal therapy. Yeah. But with jumpstart, Snapcaster, who has proven to make, you know, flashing back certain cards for their same mana cost, uh, be good. Jumpstart is going to just make it so that you get the copy of the card for the same mana cost and you don't really need something too crazy to be like you know if we get something along the lines of like a fatal push style card yeah or something like that where you know it's just like pitching another card you could even get like a if you got like a cheap spell pierce or whatever you know yeah, I think uh-huh. if you if we got something that is a playable effect that you see in Legacy already for like one mana more, you know, uh, like if if there was a two mana lightning bolt, I don't know that people would play it, right? But um, if, if there was a card that was like arc lightning for two mana, and then you could flash it back for two mana, people would play that. Yeah, I mean, I I think like the the biggest like um way to look at jumpstart or like be hyped for jumpstart is snapcasters everywhere right like yeah. snapcaster is easily one of the most played cards in the format and that just says a card gains flashback for an additional one in a blue yeah. like obviously the flexibility of the body is super important but just in terms of like what is on rate for something that will be playable in legacy it's getting those free cards but like Plow snap plow is absolutely reasonable, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, getting a plow for uh, three mana is playable if it's flexible. Yeah, and here's the thing: is is aside from the the uh, ability for it to be flexible, most of the time, unless your spell has a converted mana cost of two, you your plan doesn't get screwed up by spell pierce or spell snare. Sorry. Yeah, and and the idea that you, you uh, can. Especially against certain, like against the faster decks, like being able to convert your more expensive spells that you would otherwise never get to, you know, get to that point in the game, and you're looking to like brainstorm those away. Being able to turn those in another jumpstart effect that could help you get out of those early turns would be gigantic. Not, Not to, to mention, mention oh, go it's on. also a free discard outlet. Yeah, and and uh, you know, this works good with surveil. Yeah, like. I would be really surprised if, like, all of the graveyard enablers, like, just being able to dump free discard outlets into your deck that can't be countered, right? Because the the discard is part of the effect to to cast it. Yeah. Like, free discard outlets are have always been powerful. Yeah, I mean, look at uh, collective brutality. You know, like that's a card that uh, as soon as we saw those those collective collective cards. People immediately started using them uh, in in pretty uh, you know pretty broken fashion. Yeah. So like once we get like uh, we know that um, spoilers are going to be starting this week, uh, and we'll you know some have been spoiled, but we're going to wait until a couple you know more major car- more major portions of the set have come out before we start analyzing oh, yeah. some of those cards and seeing what can be playable. It's my favorite part of the season. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's always just like, you know, what if any of these cards can actually shake up a format like Legacy, which is pretty deep. Um, But I think right now, like the timing of a a set that is going to be in a lot of colors with a lot of powerful mechanics that the format is already, you know, shown it's it's accepting to Mm -hmm. is, I mean, I think it's the perfect timing. Yeah. Because I like even though the format kind of has had a shakeup because of the banning, getting another shakeup when it's still like vulnerable and open like this. And there's like the percentages are pretty widespread. 
I think is great. So, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that like, there's going to be, if we get a nice cheap surveil enabler, like search has already shown that it's playable and it's, it's put up numbers before. And that card just says, you know, surveil one every turn. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's pretty much it for this week, uh, as far as uh, as far as uh, legacy stuff is concerned. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll we'll, we'll cl- quickly plug our Patreon. Yes, uh, we should definitely, definitely do that over there, guys. Yeah, um, that's Patreon, that's been it's been super helpful already. Like the, the people that have uh, hopped onto our Patreon, thank you again as always. Yeah, and it's it's uh, gotten us uh, a few interviews, which is it's pretty nice. We've gotten to get out get out the word about the podcast a little bit further. Um, you know, we, we had the, uh, last week's episode on, on elves with, uh, Tom, Tom Ellis. Uh, we've had some previous, uh, you know, some big name people have, have decided to, uh, you know, talk to us for, for an hour or so about, uh, about legacy. So that the Patreon definitely helps us, uh, you know, hash out time for that sort of stuff. And also like we have it on the, on those where we've had guests on, like usually we're, we're hopping around trying to figure out what decks, uh, that we can focus on that we think, uh, of course, like if they put up a big finish or if we think that there's just a large, uh, you know, the you guys, or the audience wants to hear about those types of decks, we'll go and try and find somebody who's more or less a master of that style of deck. So we've done Elves, we did Death Shadow after the PT, but if there's a specific kind of list or, a, 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 I mean, a, an archetype that you want to have somebody done in on, let us know. Like you can find us on all of our social on eternal doodles like we're open to hearing about those things because we also are interested in learning about those types of decks as well if we aren't already you know masters of it ourselves you know like i've I've never piloted elves at a tournament so i couldn't have told you anything that was relevant about the deck you know yeah i've just been beaten by it <laughs> a lot yeah yeah turns out when it turns out when you have green tinker you're gonna lose <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, if you you know if you feel the need, uh, you feel you feel the want, I should say, you can go to uh, Patreon.com/EternalDurtles. Uh, help us out with would be awesome. Um, and and spam Nate DM. <laughs> uh, with literally anything you feel comfortable saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it for this week, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, have a good one. Cheers, everybody. to get those wonderful toys. Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash eternal dirtles and they'll hook you up with a free book and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.